You're listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. Happy Saturday, everybody. This is The Soccer Show here on 1077 The Franchise, brought to you as always by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. Ryan Chapman in alongside my good friend Todd Lizaby. Toddy, good morning. Welcome good morning. aboard. A good, good morning. Alongside our good friend, yes. Matt Goldbranson. Goldfish. Yes. Goldfish. What We just found out Goldfish and I are basically roomies now after his move. So. I know, right? Well, I'm like right across the street really? from me pretty much. Yeah. I figured I figured you were saying you're roomies in the sense of you guys are up here all the time. That oh, that's too. true. <laughs> I have no life anymore. This it, is this is Goldfish's second home, basically. Yes. Well, Goldfish, so what Matt Burton and I used to joke, which was not a joke, it was actually true. There's an upstairs to Tyler Media, and that's where Matt Burton and I, we have like a pull-down cot. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then uh, when someone was out, we had to slot in, things like that. I willed my cot to Goldfish, so... Congrats, Goldfish. All right. Thanks, guys. I you appreciate it. You have a um, I wish I would have taken advantage of that yesterday instead of uh, trying to drive home before I had to come back up here for the uh, basketball game. Well, you, now worry. you have a place that you can lay down just like Arsenal did on Wednesday. Yes. But, uh, yes. We will get Thank to that. Much. We will get to that in a minute as Arsenal and City, the two Premier League Titans, faced off. But before any of that, Arsenal played a thriller this morning. I feel like we should start there. Obviously, real quick, we've got games going left, right, and center. They're at the half right now. We will give you an update on those here in a minute. But if you slept in this morning, first off, congrats. But also, I feel kind of bad for you because Arsenal and Aston Villa had an absolute thriller. Six goals between the two. A pair of stoppage time goals. One, an absolute just... Rocket from Jorginho that hit off the crossbar and back off the keeper into the back of the net. Arsenal go down twice, but are able to equalize, take the lead, and then add a Martinelli goal right at the end just for goal difference, just for some insurance. Again, this has been the story of Arsenal's season for me. It's not just the surprise of them being in the title fight, not not just any of that, but how resilient they've been. As, as a young team, we saw last year the wheels kind of fell off at the end, especially with that derby match against Tottenham, things like that. In one offseason, to have this grit, to have this ability to respond to adversity, I've been very impressed with Arsenal, even though they didn't get it done in the midweek against City. That, sorry, I should turn my mic on. That would have been a really bad two points dropped after losing midweek to City. They needed that win. That's why... Um, I it felt it felt massive uh, because it felt like had they not gotten three points out of that 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 might be I know this is this is a bit extreme but it might be title race done right like well, that, it, this w- might be the beginning of the end yeah when you look at the context Arsenal hadn't had a bad patch yet City have been inconsistent at the back at best uh, up and down all over the place but you would have started to line it up a loss to Everton where Sean Dyche gets the new manager bounce but that. If you are trying to win a title, you cannot drop points to a team like Everton. Right. Then you turn around and a loss to City where I know that Arsenal had a lot of possession, things like that. To me, that was Pep just sitting back and saying, we're just going to sit back here. We'll hit you. We're more clinical. And frankly, I thought City kind of toyed with Arsenal. Like Arsenal did not get the right. ball in, in dangerous areas. You're the team that hasn't been here before. Yeah. You make the mistakes, and they yeah. did. And, and they did. And they, they were kind of bailed out by it. It was a penalty. It was on the soft end of penalties, but those are penalties done the same. For me, you just kind of saw there's still a difference between City and Arsenal, and, and um, that's what we saw in the midweek on Wednesday, I thought. Yeah, I mean, there there are – so when those two teams played against each other midweek, I, I mean, this is going to sound like hyperbole, but City looked like champions, and Arsenal didn't. Arsenal looked like challengers. Well, I mean – what challengers do is they fade right after that. And that's why today Arsenal look like champions. I mean, to get that win the way they did, that's that's what championship pedigree teams type of do. And they've had more moments of those this year than not. Right? What happened against City, what happened against City on Wednesday has been the aberration for their season. They have, for the most part, stepped up in those big moments all year long. Now, I know Arsenal supporters will talk about VAR and they have a legit complaint, I think, right? I mean, VAR has yeah. cost them points a couple times this season. Absolutely. I'll be the first to admit that. Uh, ironically, cost them two points against Manchester United 
VAR probably also costs City two points against Manchester United on the Marcus Rashford goal. So a lot of that stuff. Fergie time is still here. It's just right. It's just floating around in the ether. What a shock! Man United gets two points on both of those decisions, but it's it's one of those things where you know it's that all kind of comes out in the wash. But the moments like stoppage time today for Arsenal are the ones where you win championships, and that was very big for them. It felt like I'm not saying it's a title winner. But it, it felt like it could have been a title loser had they gone on and drew that game 2-2 or, heaven forbid, given up a last-minute goal and lost themselves 3-2. Yeah, especially because, again, the context of all this is Arsenal is still the youngest squad in the Premier League. And so if this were two years ago, the, the City-Liverpool title fight, and Liverpool or City, either one, has a rut of three games where across the three games they only escape with four points and, and drop a, a big head-to-head matchup, you're not as worried because both of those squads, a ton of veteran, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, all of that. And that's just the concern with Arsenal that, that we've talked about a ton is you've got a really young squad who did a, a phenomenal job in the summer transfer window to, to bring the key experience pieces, uh, Gabby Jesus, things like that. Well, Gabby's hurt. And so to, to kind of have that little dip that could be really concerning, but Arsenal were able to avoid that. And again, uh, just a, a special shout out to Jorginho, who whatever Mikel Arteta's done with him in two weeks, that man is shooting, and he just didn't do that at Chelsea. And so that shows you that Arteta's coming in, and he's immediately taking an experienced player that's won just about everything you can win in Europe. He's won the Premier League, obviously. And he's improving him based well, we, off of we what we saw We talked about Chelsea. this last week. A lot of Arsenal supporters didn't like that move. And I, well, those, I, those Arsenal supporters are idiots. <laughs> well, I, you and I both think that he kind of fits into what they want to do. Um, and when midweek Thomas Partey wasn't in the lineup and Jorginho was slotted in, a lot of Arsenal supporters were like, oh, God, that's really bad. And I didn't think he was that bad against City. The mistakes certainly didn't come from him. They well, came and, from Gabriel. They came from Zinchenko. They came from people like that. And again, the context is Arsenal spent twelve million pounds. It'll be thirteen if they win right. the Premier League. It's a very it's a low sh- risk, it's a high short reward. term deal, yeah. and it's yeah. exactly what you needed after you missed out on on some of those opportunities. So, so City uh, go top Wednesday, and then this morning Arsenal fire back. Do you want to circle back to Wednesday's match real quick? Yeah, just real, I just want to know what your thought. I know you said you kind of thought City toyed with them. Um, I really thought Arsenal had a chance to go up one or two nil in the first half. And well, when they, it, they didn't take their chance. Right. When it was 1-1 at halftime, even with that soft penalty, as a City fan, I felt very confident yeah, going into I, the second half. Watching that, there, and again, for me, I had Arsenal City on one screen, and that's the exact same time that Chelsea and Dortmund were playing. Right. So it wasn't 100% attention, but every time I looked over, it just felt like City were very comfortable to give Arsenal the possession and all of the non-dangerous places, as soon as Arsenal tried to move in anywhere that, that could really threaten City, it felt like City stepped in and just kind of dealt with it. And then you had clinical finish from Kevin De Bruyne. You had Grealish, Holland. It, it just felt like that thing was only going one way, especially after halftime. Yeah, the first goal from De Bruyne, even though it was a mistake by Tomiyasu, was an incredible finish. Yes. I mean, yes. to hit that with his outside foot as it's coming across his body with spin on it, and it wasn't on the ground. That ball had bounced up, and then to loop the keeper and bend it in, that was an incredible finish that I don't think got enough credit. Um, and then, a, like, the second goal was just a total mistake from Gabrielle, and a good finish by Grealish that got a slight deflection again from Tomiyasu, but that was, you know, more a mistake than it was a well-armed goal. goal. The third goal was a great goal for City with Holland's goal at the end to finish it off. That was a class goal, and that was... That was one of those, like I said, where it felt like, okay, that's the champions right there. Yeah. And then real quick, the only other game, little wrap-up, uh, go two days further into the past. Off Wednesday, Monday, we get a big Merseyside derby. Yep. Liverpool handle Everton 2-0. For me, that was just a, a big breath of relief for Liverpool that that looked like a Jurgen Klopp-Liverpool team. It, they had the... The energy, the pressing, all of that stuff. It, it didn't look like, at times, when Liverpool haven't got results this year, it looked disjoint. Guys looked jaded, not like with Klopp, but just tired because of the injury crisis. means there's less rotation, bringing a bunch of young guys. Gakpo gets on the score. I just thought that was a composed, 
just good vibes type win as far as a it's a, a big derby match and going out there and feeling like yourselves. I thought that could be big for Liverpool. Be interested to see how they roll that forward. I, I mean, Liverpool should get three points there, right? Uh, that's a bigger. <laughs> Ryan just leaned back in his chair. Chelsea miss. Mason Mount. Mason Mount. Whoever wants him, you can just have him. Uh, whatever, whatever version of Mason Mount has played this year is not the Mason Mount that uh, Chelsea fans have come to know. And if he's not going to extend his contract, look what just happened in the city match. Kay- Taylor Navas just with a huge double save. He's just rolling around yeah, on the ground back and forth. I know. Look at that. Right at him. Roly poly Kaler. Oh, hit him right in the googlies. He's down for a minute. <laughs> he's uh, down for get, get that man an ice pad. No, it was. So for Liverpool, that would have felt like points lost, right, against Everton. And for Everton, it would have felt like points gained. Pickford kind of made the mistake early on coming out on the ball. Like, I don't think – I think Liverpool probably still would have scored that because it was basically a breakout, a breakaway goal. Uh, but Pickford makes a few early mistakes. Uh, Liverpool get – or put Everton behind the eight ball. And Everton just can't play that way, right? So I do think – for me, it was it was good for Liverpool. Like you said, it was good vibes, but – for me, it was just as much about how poor Everton really are. Yeah, which that's what they should do. But Liverpool haven't done what they should do a right, lot of times this right, season. Right, exactly, and, and that's why uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, in different spots. But th- that's why they're not where they thought they were going to be coming into the year because they're unable to do that. Let's it's take that a little, old, it's that old Saint Francis of Assisi quote, my favorite quote ever. Yeah, start by doing what's necessary. Then do what's possible, and suddenly, suddenly you'll find yourself doing the impossible, right? Exactly. It's necessary to beat Everton, so good exactly. for them. That's a good start. All right, so we had the six-goal thriller this morning between Arsenal and Villa. We have six matches happening right now, and we have three total goals between those six matches all into the second half. Bournemouth are up 1-0 on Wolves. Man City have a 1-0 lead over Nottingham Forest. Everton and Leeds are scoreless. Brighton and Fulham are scoreless. Brentford and Crystal Palace are scoreless. And everybody's favorite Southampton St. James Ward Prowse rifled in a free kick goal right on the Spoke. about two minutes before halftime Spoke after halftime. Cesar Aspilicueta gave up just a laughably why did you foul that man in that spot uh, idiotic. So Southampton lead Chelsea 1-0 as Chelsea continue to be wasteful, <laughs> wasteful, wasteful in front of goal. On our, little, on our little preview sheet, Ryan writes, check in the scores, Chelsea blows. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Chelsea blows, LOL. Uh, just in case anyone's wondering where my head's at, I've been in this spot since the hire was made. But Hogwarts Legacy, it's all the rage in the streets right now with the kids. That's the only Potter I want in my life is Hogwarts Legacy. <laughs> that is where we're at. Todd, let's take a break. I know we're breaking a little early for our first segment, but there is so much going on. Manchester United had a soft deadline for bids for their sale. We had a ton of games between the Champions League and the Europa League. Welcome back, Qatar, to World Soccer. Welcome back, Qatar. We had Jesse Marsh news and then Jesse Marsh unnews. We have Neymar. We have so much stuff going on that we're going to need a massive second segment here on the Soccer Show. So stay right here on the other side. We'll hit all of that and more. You are listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic here on 107.7 The Franchise. The Soccer Show is on Twitter. Give us a follow at Soccer Show 1077. segment of the soccer show here on 107.7 The Franchise, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. I'm Ryan Chapman, alongside Todd Lizabee, Matty Goldfish, Matt Goldbranson, keeping us on, making us sound good. And real quick, if you're just tuning in, you missed anything in the first segment, or if you're only in the car for the next five minutes and you're going to miss something, we are always podcasted. Just search The Soccer Show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or just hit up Soccer Show 107.7. I promise... My goal this week is to be better on Twitter. It's going to be a hectic week. Last week was a hectic week. I'm going to try to be better on Twitter at that handle. My apologies. You can direct all your hate mail to me. Well, there's plenty There's plenty going on. I should probably help in that regard as well. But there's plenty going on as far as uh, news off the pitch goes as well, which we are definitely going to get to. Uh, do you want to do that first or do you want to go to Europe this week? Uh, let's, let's go... Off the pitch first, okay, and then just real quick, if you missed it, no goals in the break, but if you're just tuning in, rapid fire, Southampton's up on Chelsea 1-0, City's up on Forest 1-0. That's almost, at the bridge too, right? Yeah, yes. It's uh, Jao Felix's home debut. Uh, not that you would know whether... <laughs> why, why is his home debut just now? Didn't he start like... 
Yeah, a he, month ago? He started like a month ago. He got sent off against Fulham. The the, the center ref uh, on this game is the same center of course that it sent is. him off. And uh, you could tell that Xiao Felix was feeling some type of way about a foul call in the first half. That's neither here nor there. Bournemouth's up 1-0 on Wolves. We've got three other matches that are scoreless. That would be Brentford and Palace, Brighton and Fulham, Everton and Leeds. No goals there. We're hitting about the 60th minute, about the hour mark across that. All right, let's go off the pitch first. Big news in Manchester. Friday was the so-called soft deadline for bids to come on in for the purchase of Manchester United. It looks like there are two, at least two massive public-facing bids. The first one coming from in the country, Sir Ian Ratcliffe. He had come on late, late, late in the Chelsea process with a bid. Um, He came in well after all the deadlines, things like that. Some of the questions from He's Chelsea fans. He's just gagging fans. to own a football team. Isn't well, he? so some of the che- questions from Chelsea fans when that came about was he's a guy that had been labeled through just his career as a boyhood Manchester United fan. So a lot of people were going, why is he suddenly coming in for Chelsea? All, all that stuff. So that bid makes a lot of sense. Uh, he owns Ineos. I not, sorry, it's an energy company. I think it's Ineos. Uh, Ineos, yes. Uh, I-N-E-O-S, I believe. Most notably, if you watch Formula One, they're plastered on the side of Mercedes, things like that. Uh, And and then the other bid is essentially a Qatari bid for Manchester United. It would be a debt-free bid. Um, It'll be interesting to see what the offshoot of that is because... That would be amazing after a decade of just... A decade plus, in fact, a decade and a half of Man United just coming after City for being Saudi-owned, for being Arab-owned. If a Qatari bid does take over the team, it's going to be amazing to see the walkbacks well, on social media. <laughs> there's there's the irony portion of that, but then there's like the nuts and bolts of the Qatari Wealth Fund. Essentially, it's essentially a Qatari Wealth Fund. Um, I don't know how it's technically classified because that would require me to get into like UEFA lawyer documents and my brain is not large enough to comprehend any of that but yeah, i'm a city fan so i don't even want to mess with lawyer yeah. documents right now <laughs> Fair. but the the <laughs> offshoot of that is an ownership group cannot have a majority stake in two clubs that compete in the same competition i.e champions the league. same owner can't own two clubs that are going to play in the champions league psg is owned by essentially the qatari wealth fund um, so this bid, there, there'll just is there any be, way to do like a shadow company? Yeah, or, and, and, you know what I and mean. So technically, Red Bull Leipzig and Salzburg, right? That whole group, they went through a big semantics fight with UEFA, and they somehow got it organized and classified where they are considered to be independently owned, even though and, and Augsburg's in there as well, even though. They're all owned it's, by Red it's Bull. It's a multi-club. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. multi-model. So that, oh, that's, we have a goal. Everton are on the board. Is that Seamus Coleman? It is. Seamus Coleman, the Evertonians. That's a big goal for relegation. Uh, the relegation battle. Premier League side of Merseyside. Premier League goals on the board. scored by men named Seamus are built different. <laughs> they are built One different. 1-0 Everton over lead 65th minute. Uh, the uh, God, why am I drawing a blank on what Everton's home ground is called? Sean Dyche is, is... What is Everton Stadium called? Goodison Park is on fire right now. I sorry, couldn't think I, of that. Sorry, I was, Sean Dyche, his goal celebration was to grumble it into uh, his hand <laughs> instead yeah, of great goal. celebrating. Great goal. Was, oh, look at that goal. Wait till you see the replay on this. Holy cow. The keeper thought, boy, it, the keeper thought he was going to play I the cross, and he got him near post. That Ooh. line on it. Oh, he got him near post. Ooh. Seamus now, Coleman. Now, was that on purpose? No, no, no. I was about to say, this is the one where you come back, your your teammates mob you, and you immediately go, that was a shot. Yeah. That was a shot. It you was know, not a is, cross. That was a shot. That was a shot. That was a shot. That was a shot that was meant to be a pass. That was a shot for sure. Well, some of the smirks by his teammate, everyone's like, yeah, that was a cross. Don't worry about it. They all count the same. 1-0 Everton up on Leeds. That one's in the 66th minute. We shall see if Everton can hold on. No new manager bounce for Leeds as they're still just fumbling around. Yeah, we were talking about United, so uh, it will be interesting to see how that plays out, right? Yeah. I mean, because if if they can get all the things figured out, I think the Qatari side is probably the better bid, isn't it? The, the question would be, so we know that Qatar spends money with PSG, right? We, we just wouldn't know that with Surian Ratcliffe as, as someone that we have a 
this is how Qatar has run a football club before and how they've run it is they want to be at the forefront and they want to win. Surrey and Ratcliffe, Manchester United fans, so you'd think that means he wants that kind of success, but we just don't know what that looks like. And so it's kind of the um, damn if you do, damn if you don't type thing. Of, you, you sort of know what it's going to look like on one side. Uh, but frankly, regardless of who it is, the Athletic Football Show was talking about this this week, and I want to give them credit for this point, that Manchester United has been so poorly run the last 15 years by the Glazers, and they have been so interested in just taking profits out of the club, not letting them reinvest in the club, things like that, that if it were any other club outside of Manchester United, maybe Liverpool, maybe, might have been able to survive an ownership group that bad. Anyone else would have fallen off the face of of the earth. So Manchester United, regardless of how much Surrey and Ratcliffe comes in and throws around, regardless of how much any of these bids want to throw around, simply not taking money off the top of the club and allowing them to reinvest in facilities, things like that, that will do wonders for Manchester United, regardless of how good or bad an owner is, because the Glazers have been just awful. Awful. Moving to another off-the-pitch story, Jesse Marsh, it looked like midweek he was going to be managing the Southampton team that's winning at the bridge right now 1-0. That fell through. So my question to you, Ryan, is does this change at all him possibly being the U.S. men's national team manager? Or does it feel like that ship has sailed if he was looking to get back in at Southampton? So it'll be interesting. Uh, Southampton, it sounds like the the talks broke down because Jesse Marsh wanted some long-term commitments, obviously taking over uh, the team at the bottom of the table. I, I assume what he was probably wanting is, hey, if I'm not able to turn this thing around, are you going to stick with me through the championship and let me try to get this thing promoted? Um, I think it just shows that Jesse Marsh is looking to get back into the game, looking to act now. And all indications, everything that we've seen from U.S. soccer have been they want to appoint their general manager and director of football first, and then that hierarchy will appoint a manager, which that makes sense. The only issue is, Sorry, I'm I'm watching Erling Holland hit the, hit the crossbar. It bounced right back to him, and then he just sky this thing over the goal. This has Forrest. That's rare, isn't this it? This has Forrest eighty-eight minute, minute crack goal oh written my all over it. It's City and Forrest. Uh, back Taylor Novice is just standing on his head right he's, now for Forrest. He's doing everything he can. Um, Sorry, but, yeah, this is what so, happens when you do a show when the correct. matches are live, right? So the, the the timeline that U.S. Soccer has laid out is the the last time we had reporting on this. U.S. Soccer was looking toward the start of the Women's World Cup to have their director of football and general manager in place. So if if U.S. Soccer is going to go through the process of director of football, general manager, and then appoint the next manager, you're looking at the end of the European season by the time the U.S. has a manager. So if Jesse Marsh remains unemployed through the end of the European season, I don't think that means that his he's not in the running, anything like that. Right. It's just if Jesse Marsh was your guy might want to act quickly. Is this mic acting up? Yep. Yeah, it sure it, is. It, it acts it up. It does that uh, now and again. There we go. I yeah. think, are we better? Yeah, we're good. We'll see. Um, No, I, so, I'm going to switch to this other side. Hang on. Fair Talk enough. amongst yourself. Yeah, fair enough. And, and so, that, that's going to kind of be the interesting thing is if the U.S. men's national team is looking to um, go after one of the, the bigger names in European football, a, a club manager, things like that, then wait until the end of the European season makes sense. If it's just Jesse Marsh and you know you want Jesse Marsh, go get Jesse Marsh now as opposed to just hoping that he's still there unemployed uh, toward the end of the year. I feel like we're uh, – am I good? Can you guys hear me? I feel like we're sitting at a booth on the same side together now. No, we are. <laughs> we are. I'm, I'm going I'm to reach over and I'm going to lightly just hold Todd's hand when, when uh, yeah. the city highlights aren't as fun. No, I, I – uh, this mic sounds weird too, doesn't it? Oh, well, we'll just go with it. No, I – I, I saw Alexi Lawless. Somebody asked him, will, will the men's national team have a new manager by April? And he said, not likely. So, like you said, it's going to go to the end of the end of the European season. So, um, I don't think he's completely out of the running, but it feels like the U.S. men's national team is his fallback option, doesn't it? Yeah, which which is fine for, for and him. Also, and also, it's a three-year commitment. Yeah. That's the other thing that yeah. I think people forget. Like, if he, if he decides he's going to manage the U.S. men's national team, he's not managing in Europe for three years. Yeah. And you come out of the other side of that, 
is the luster off of your name, right? Can you get back into it? 100%. Like that's an, and, that's and, an, a legitimate question. And, and if the U.S. does well at the World Cup, yeah, you can jump right back into right. it. But if they don't, you're kind of screwed, right? Yeah, it's it's a huge, huge bet on yourself just because international management is so – it's such a different job than club football. Um I, I just wish he had stayed at Leeds. That way uh, I could have continued my campaign for just to point Jesse Marsh to literally be the Leeds head coach and the U.S. men's national team head coach, and then uh, Leeds just buy as many Americans as possible. You can do that on FIFA. You and, can manage a club team yeah. and, and a and, national team. And then that's that was just going to be our hack because, you know, the, the great Spain teams, it's like half of them played at Barcelona and half of them played at Real Madrid. And so if you just finagled it correctly, then you always have that kind of continuity. Let, let's just do that. Recreate that. Um into Europe, though, we had a couple of big fixtures. For me, the English Premier League involvement in the Champions League was pretty much the same story. Uh, for this week, Spurs lost 1-0 to AC Milan in a game that I thought Spurs were better. They gave up an early goal, and then they just weren't clinical enough. That was on Tuesday. Wednesday... Chelsea, I thought, were actually a lot better than Dortmund. Created a ton of chances. They can't finish them. And then they get hit on the counter. It wasn't an early goal, but they get hit on a, just an excellent lightning counter from Dortmund. And both of these teams coming back, it, obviously they'll be a, a couple weeks off, but as those t- two ties come back, far from dead ties. And I would certainly back Spurs to to beat AC Milan back at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and, and, and advance. Chelsea, I think they'll outplay Dortmund again. I think they won't score any goals. Again, I think Dortmund will go through. Former Man City man uh, in Brahim Diaz getting the goal for uh, AC Milan in that one. Um, So you have no faith in Chelsea, huh? I mean, I'm hoping there's a different manager in charge of that tie. If you get one in now, you get new manager bump against Yeah, you are such a Chelsea fan. You just want a new manager every two months, don't you? Todd, Southampton have more points in the Premier League than, <laughs> than Chelsea, Chelsea since, do, Potter. since Potter came in. It, I, I <laughs> and they're about you, to beat. Oh, <laughs> oh, how are Chelsea not scoring a goal there? That was Raheem. It's just bouncing around. That's Raz's finishing right there. Had a just oh. open goal header at the back post. Oh, Raz, what it are you doing? Off the line. It was. It was basically the the Holland double miss just five minutes later, and for Chelsea instead of City. Holy cow. Uh, this has Southampton 88th minute goal 2-0 written yeah. all over oh, it. Yeah. This, <laughs> I, uh, seriously, serious question. Non-Chelsea fan, you. God bless. Kaylor Navas is saving everything for Nottingham <laughs> Forest. Look at this. He That's a free kick save. Uh, Gundogan almost scored. Still 1-0 City. Yeah, I, I hope you started Kaylor Navas and, and you captained Holy him. cow. I, He's got like nine or ten saves. Serious question. Serious question. Okay. Two wins and 15. Right. It'll be two wins and 16. He needs time, Ryan. Here in about 20 minutes. <laughs> he needs time. Less points in the Premier League than Southampton since you've taken over. And another 250 million pounds of investment. Does that sound like a manager that should time. keep his job? you got to give him time. But, okay, here's my argument. What is... What is keeping him in for the rest of this year going to keep you from? European football? Uh, it's going I mean, to, Do you want to play in the Europa League? What, do you want to play in the Conference League? It's keeping you from building any kind of team cohesion. Okay, but do you want to play in the Europa League or the Conference League? I, I don't care. Either way. Okay, then if you don't want to play in the Europa or Conference League, which probably gives you the better chance of making a run at the Premier League next year, What's it hurt to keep him in there? Uh, you are. I just not, think it's low risk to keep him there for the rest of the year. You're not at the front of the line. You you don't get to start just actively searching for your new manager. That's true. I can see. I and, see that argument. And again, Chelsea have like I, Todd. I watch every single Chelsea game. I couldn't tell you what the Chelsea game plan is. I seriously, I couldn't tell you what if if Potter if they play perfectly. I could not tell you what that looks like. This, you know, is, this is not a guy that's had a couple of days. He had two weeks off for the Queen's unfortunate passing that created a window for him to work with the team. He had the World Cup break. They've crashed out of the FA Cup and out of the Carabao Cup. So outside of the Champions League coming back, he's had weeks in between games. And this team is awful. It was nearly 2-0 just since. This team is awful. That was a great ball in. I don't know who played that ball for Southampton. That was a great save by Keppa. And on top of that, he's got Chilwell back. He's got Reese James back. 
basically everyone but Nagolo Conte is back into the side. And Conte's That's coming back maker, into Conte. three weeks. Yeah, Conte comes back. They'll be in Europe in no time. I, I understand what you're saying. I understand the frustration. It's just so very Chelsea of you. And even you have to admit that, right? Sure, but... Uh, and it's very Chelsea of them to hire a manager who goes two wins in the first 16, and then a, they have to look like Chelsea again. That's by actually of, not true at all, as he has the worst record. It's not No, close. no, no, no. What I'm saying is it's, 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 is it's a uh, perfect, like... It plays right into the stereotype. Of right. Now they're in a situation of we can either do what we probably should do and look like the same Chelsea we've always looked like, or we could, in this situation where the last time that you would think we'd keep someone on, we'd show some patience. Yeah. But here's my question. Does new ownership change that? Well, so the goal of the new ownership is that they wanted some, they want to be a long-term project the reporting around why Tuchel was fired was not the results. It was how disjoint he was behind the scenes. He he was not interested in being in those recruitment meetings, anything like that. He wasn't talking to ownership. It wasn't top to bottom, everyone's synergy, working on the same page, whatever. Fine. Totally disagree. You don't fire a Champions League winning manager because of that. Maybe you should put some hierarchy in place that lets him just coach. You have to, though, look in and be able to acknowledge we made a big mistake. Right. And that right, you, that's you, fair. you can have continuity, you can have a long-term project, and you can also say we have a manager who is in over his head. Because what this looks like is what Brighton looked like. A lot of changes, malleable, no real identity, creating about 1.2 expected goals per match, not being clinical, dropping results, you're mid-table. And when you're at Brighton, holy crap, look at Brighton. They're 10th. When you're at Chelsea, holy crap. Chelsea's in 10th. Right. And I he, think I said this earlier. For some reason, I was thinking Potter came from Southampton. Obviously, he came from Brighton. But, yeah, um, it's it's not it's not good. I'm not going to act like it is. But if I'm playing devil's advocate, there's been an S-ton of turnover there, right? And I know I know you would think that would make it better. Well, no, but in the short term, I think it makes it tougher. Well, the side's not settled, anything like that. And but I think the bigger issue is what you said. What is the plan? Yeah, and right. That's the bigger issue. Yeah, if if this were and a, if he doesn't have a plan, and it looks like they're just buying to buy, then that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, and and like the purchases, I know not many people are gonna. This is not gonna be popular, but the January purchases actually all fit a similar profile, and you understand Chelsea are looking to get younger, play more direct, right. speed, pace. That that's not what the last version of Chelsea had. Potter, there's just there is no plan. Real and quick, so being unsettled versus being. Uh, a, just aimless, a drift into the ocean are two different things. Real quick, before we hit our uh, final break here, let's talk about the uh, PSG Neymar oh, drama. Before we get to that, real quick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not Champions League, but Europa League. What the hell? Manchester United and Barcelona, 2 2. Just an insane tie, and I can't wait for the second leg because I know. That, was, that was. It's everything. That bleep it's insane. Everything the Europa League wanted when that, yes. when that tie was drawn. Who's down for Chelsea here? It says our Aspilicueta. It looks like a coming together. Like he got knocked out. And it looks like he got knocked out. Yeah, it like looked like they were turning him over out. to see if he was choking on his tongue, that whole deal. So, yeah, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's fair to say he'll be off. It's a, it's a very, very scary seed at Stamford Bridge. Just as, yeah, it, it looks like just a typical on a corner, two guys go up, heads clatter, but it looks like Aspilicueta is just knocked out. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, PSG and Neymar. You're way more up to speed on this than I am. So I saw a few blurbs about it. I haven't really read up on it. Tell me what's up. Yeah, so basically, Kylian Mbappe comes out and says, hey, he he, he has this, I don't want to oversell it, but he basically is like, what we really need is some good sleep, nutrition, take care of our bodies, preparing for the really, really big Champions League tie. That sounds good. Sounds right. fine. Sounds like he's trying to send a message. Hours after that happens, <laughs> Neymar was seen at a McDonald's deep into the night after yes. he had played in a poker tournament Yes, the night before big Champions League fixture. And then on the other side of that, you, you get rumors coming out of it that Todd Bowley and Chelsea had, had made contact about would Neymar be available, stuff like that. 
it appears a little trouble in paradise with uh, Neymar not looking totally locked in with the PSG project right now. Well, let me just use this as a moment to remind people that the Franchise Poker Tournament is coming up on Monday. If you want to spot in that at thefranchiseok.com at the Ash Cigar Lounge, 712 North Broadway Avenue, 6.30 p.m., benefiting, field, benefiting fields and futures. So I'm going to uh, be yeah. playing in that, so I hope that Chisholm doesn't talk to me on Monday about needing some sleep and rest <laughs> before our Tuesday <laughs> show, because otherwise I'll be in a Neymar situation real quick. Um, Okay. Beautiful, beautiful. So it, it'll be interesting to kind of follow that and, and see uh, if that leads to a, a global star kind of being on the move this summer or, or what. As PSG, there's the ongoing contract drama with Leo Messi. Is that thing still hasn't got itself sorted right. out? It looks like they could be quickly in one summer repositioning themselves to say, no, we're going to go all in on just purely building around Mbappe as the face of our attack. And that'll just be a new look PSG from what we've become accustomed to the last couple of years. Yeah, and uh, I mean, what's the future of Mbappe as well? Yeah, because there's still he, the Real Madrid. That, well, that's yeah, moving. and he just he always seems very unpleasant when it comes to talking about his future anywhere, right? Yeah, everywhere well, he's ever been, he's always like, "Yeah, I'd like to get out of here." Yeah, essentially, he's, he's kind of Kevin Durantish in that way. Yeah, but what the uh, it sounds like behind the scenes, PSG are trying to say, "Can you please stay through the Olympics?" Because they want to make the Olympics will be in Paris in 2024. They want to make Mbappe one of their senior players. You only get what three or four of those. Three, I think, over over 23. They want to make Mbappe kind of the scene of that center of that. They want to make that a, a big to do for French football. And then after that, I, I think that uh, if they want to cash in and send him off to Real Madrid, that PSG might be open to it. So it's just be interesting. The next 18 months are going to be really crucial for how PSG kind of uh, goes into the, the mid 2020s. All right, we are rolling into the last segment of the soccer show here on this Saturday. Uh, we will come back. We'll give you some updates on some scores because we are into uh, the last 10 minutes of regulation. Yep, most, Cesar most of these. Cesar is still down. There's probably going to be about 9 or 10 or maybe even more minutes yeah. of stoppage time at Stanford Bridge. Chelsea trailing Southampton 1-0. City are still holding on 1-0 at the top of the table if you're an Arsenal or City supporter. paying attention to that. So we'll update you on all the scores on the other side. Plus... We'll uh, get into, we got midweek Champions yep. League. We, we've got a, a really fun one shaping up. That'll be our late game today. We will preview yep. a ton coming up next here on the Soccer Show on 107.7. The franchise brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. You're listening to the Soccer Show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 107.7 The Franchise. I've got bad news. You were exactly right. I was exactly right. City have conceded. That's right. Nottingham Forest, 85th minute, I believe it was. Chris Wood at the back post. Nottingham Forest on the counterattack. Kaylor Navas is the man of the match for Forest in this one. Yeah. He has stood on his head in the second half to keep it at 1-0. It's now 1-1, which is huge for the title race. After Arsenal got the last gasp winners, winners, I guess they had two goals. And it looks like Everton are about to maybe make it 2-0, maybe not. Uh, not not well done there. Uh, meanwhile, Chelsea still trails Southampton. Kai Havertz is just laying on the ground in the box for as, no reason. <laughs> as Piliqueta is off after about a, what, 10, 15-minute delay? Yeah, it, it, it was bad. Again, knocked out if cold. you missed it. Just two heads coming together. Aspilicueta was stretchered off and went straight down the tunnel. So, not good there. Hope that he's okay. This is the soccer show. You can listen to us every single Saturday morning, 10 to 11 a.m. right here on the franchise. If you've missed any of the show, we did a lot. We recapped Arsenal and Villa this morning. We talked a ton about the Manchester United sale that's impending. All the Champions League and Europa League matchups from this past week. Jesse Marsh, U.S. Men's National Team. Todd was my therapist on Chelsea Football Club. We've covered a lot already. And if you missed any of that, don't worry. That bad boy will be podcasted at... Just search The Soccer Show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That's the spot to be. Or look at Soccer Show at 107.7 on Twitter. Real quick, before we preview the matches, we've got the rest of the week. Like you said, City and Forest, that's 1-1 in the 88th minute. Bournemouth still are holding on to that 1-0 lead over Wolves. Big relegation battle there. Yeah, that one's about to hit the 90th minute. Everton, who scored 
while we were on in our last segment. They're up 1-0 on Leeds, still in the 90th minute. Also Brighton big relegation and, battle. Yeah, Brighton and Fulham. It sounds like that game's been wildly entertaining, despite the fact that there are no goals there. Palace got one on the board. Um, they lead 1-0 over Brentford with an Eze goal, and then Southampton are holding on to their 1-0 lead over Chelsea. That one's going to have a ton of added time, like we said. This Todd, sucks. Oh, City? Yeah. City? Yeah. Well, in Chelsea sense. for you. <laughs> Correct. It, this is a, we have a little more to lose we, than you do. We, we have nothing to lose, <laughs> and still we are disappointed in Indeed. Should be a fun one coming up. Uh, the late kickoff today. Newcastle has the Saturday night slash afternoon kickoff th- for the third straight Saturday. They will take on Liverpool. Like we mentioned, Liverpool got that 2-0 win over Everton in the big derby matchup on Monday. Be really interesting to see if Klopp and, and Liverpool can kind of pull this thing together and get some good vibes rolling. Can they make a push for Europe? Absolutely not a title race or anything like that. But right now, I think it's more importantly just uh, getting everyone back on the same page and ready to kind of attack the offseason as Liverpool look to to be back at the spot that they've been uh, way more accustomed to fighting at the top next year. I uh, I would be lying if I told you I was not paying attention or I was paying attention to you right now. I think you were mentioning Liverpool, Newcastle, um, City are just volleying the ball in the box like it's QPR 2012. Beautiful, right now. beautiful. Uh, no, it's. That's one of those ones, right? If Newcastle are going to take that next step, this is a match you win, right? I mean, yeah. we talked about it all the time, especially Liverpool, the form that they've been on. Uh, obviously, Everton aside, they're, they're, Newcastle's the better team this year, right? And this is the type of match that you win. For Liverpool, you mentioned it earlier, the good vibes of Saturday, or I guess Monday, the win over Everton. Do those continue today? I do want to ask you real quick. There was a, a lot made midweek. You know, Arsenal played early this morning after playing City on Wednesday. Right. And Arteta said, hey, when teams play Champions League on Wednesday, they don't get the early match on Saturday. Right. Do you think it's fair that they got the early match playing? Because the argument against that is, well, that is because you're traveling right. somewhere in Europe and not, but you're, you're going from, you know, London on Wednesday to where was the match today? Was that against Vill- just in Villa? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so nowhere. Right, exactly. You're not really going anywhere. So do you do you agree with that or do you think that's much you do about nothing? So cuz right now it feels like Arteta is just finding a lot of reasons to right. complain. I think that the Premier League has always kind of befuddled me as far as why they make it tougher? Why would you make it tougher? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I, I know. I've never understood that. For like a Newcastle and Liverpool, that would be a game that you want to feature, put them up first, right? Because they didn't have to do any midweek traveling, all that stuff. The, the Premier League, for years, it feels like it has gone out of its way, whether it be just, hey, no, 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 we want our holiday fixtures. I'm like, okay, so you can have a winter break before the holidays or after the holiday. You can still have your holiday fixtures. You can still have your Boxing Day, New Year's Day, all that stuff, but you can do it in a way that you finagle the schedule and make a lot of sense. I, I truly think, regardless of whether you're in Europe or anything like that, I just don't understand why the Premier League makes things harder. If you've got to do midweek, which that's the reality of, of how congested the, the schedule is, fine. Then you shouldn't be playing the early match. Like You should be giving your guys as, as, as much time to recover as within reason, whether that is a, a few couple of hours. And that's whether you are Southampton or Brighton or Arsenal or City. I, I just don't understand why you would make things harder on your domestic clubs. No, I agree, and that's why we've always talked about it. It's way tougher to win... I think it's tougher to win the Champions League as a Premier League team than it is to win the Premier League as a Premier League because of the, and I know that obviously there's a lot more chance involved because it's a draw and it's a knockout tournament, but just schedule-wise to manage it the as F- a Premier League like team. Like the FA does not help you win one Right, game. exactly, exactly. And that's why like the, you know, every year it's it has been Liverpool last year. It was City a few years ago. Can they win the treble? Can they win the quadruple? That's damn near impossible. Yeah. Right, I mean, it's it's not only has to take a lot of skill. You have to be really good, but it takes a ton of luck. Yes, a ton of luck, and and we saw last year, you know, and previous years with City, like City missed out on the treble by losing to Wigan in the FA Cup. Right, right? I mean, right. that kind of stuff happens where you got to go to Wigan midweek. That doesn't, you know, they get the long winter break and everything else in all the other leagues. So I just found that an interesting discussion. Speaking of City, they're back at it in uh, Champions League this week against Red Bull Leipzig. Looks like they'll be coming off points dropped. In fact, there it is. Final whistle. 1-1 at the city ground. 
which is not where Man City play. That's which, that's weird, I know, but which is Nottingham just a, Forest get a point. It that is best case scenario, almost best case scenario for Arsenal come out of Wednesday because, like we said, it, it could have been a moment where Arsenal lose to Everton, Arsenal lose to City. If they're even if they split points against Villa, that could be a young squad that has to sit there and think about that because well, the, the narrative it's a four point swing. Yeah, because because we'll just you know the narrative would be young Arsenal. They've wobbled, they've flinched, they've blinked whatever you want to use, all that stuff. And now Arsenal have a galvanizing win, a huge, you know, late thriller, packing a, a couple of goals and in injury time. City now drop points, like you mentioned, the four-point swing. and Everton has now gone final 1-0 over Leeds as well at Goodison Park. Sean Dyche coming in, making an impact there. Tomorrow, another good one should be Spurs and West Ham, just as West Ham continue to be pretty desperate there it, it, toward the relegation zone. Had a... Really nice defensive showing. It's Chelsea last time out, which we uh, covered three or four different ways uh, last week. If you remember that, that's the analysis you come here for. Uh, I, I would be interested to see if Tottenham can just come out on the front foot because we know what's been the story of Tottenham this year. They concede the first goal. Well, if you uh, against West Ham, you need to come out and play a little bit because West Ham are going to be happy to sit back and pack it in tomorrow. Yes, yeah, sorry. I thought my mic wasn't on because I looked down and it's a weird mic situation here. We're, um, we're battling. We're battling the conditions. Not only are we uh, are we like squirrels because uh, there's soccer we, left, yeah, right, and, and center. We're watching our teams just blow it is what we're doing. But uh, we're battling the conditions as well. Uh, yeah. So real quick, I just want to ask you this before we and I know we got to start uh, heading towards getting out of here. As we sit now, after City dropped two points today and Arsenal gained two points, basically they rescue a win out of a draw and City rescue a draw out of a win, basically. Uh, what what do you see the title race as? Because Arsenal are now two points up with the game in hand, but they still have to go to the Etihad in February. Actually, I think that's in April. Here, here. We've we've got the updated table here. Both have played 23. Uh, Arsenal are three points in front. Is it three right now? Unless, unless ESPN. I'm getting my table from ESPN. Yeah, that might be your problem. That might be your problem. Here we go. Here's the live table. We'll, we'll, we'll follow. We'll uh, hop over to Foot Mob and see. Yeah, here's your live table. Arsenal, 23 matches played, 54 points. City, 24 matches played, 52 points. So two points back with uh, Arsenal have the game in hand. They're two points up. I mean, Arsenal are going to be the betting favorites. But right now, if I were to ask you, Ryan Chapman, who do you back to win the league? Do you go City or do you go Arsenal? Man, it's tough because so the way that we conventionally think about this is I would back City to batter Arsenal at the Etihad. Um, City have just been better than Arsenal every time they've played. So you're telling me that's a six-point swing right there. Give me City. But it's more about what happens when those two teams aren't playing because Arsenal have just been so much more consistent, so much more resilient. City have been just shaky at the back, one or two mistakes, and teams have been pretty clinical. Um, I'll go City because I think that they'll win the the head-to-head, and that's huge. But I I actually think that this title race is not going to be decided based off the two matches that happened between City and Arsenal, which is kind of a weird place to be in. Uh, Chelsea just missed another really golden opportunity. Was that Mason Mount again? No, or, Mount was subbed up. That was Gallagher that was at, oh the, no. at the near post. Oh, no. Oh, no. Southampton on the counter nearly get a goal. Holy cow. There are 12 minutes of stoppage time at Stamford Bridge. Our, our show is going to end before that one goes final. Um, Probably for good reasons. Yeah, screaming yeah, into the yeah. void. Uh, no, I would. I here's my thing on this. I do. I think City are the better team. Yes. Do I think Arsenal are going to slip up? Pardon the Stevie Gerrard uh, reference there. Yes, I do think they are at some point. Um, you're right. City have been shaky at the back. I think my bigger reason for backing Arsenal is what we just talked about. City have Red Bull Leipzig midweek. Yeah. City want to win the Champions League. That is the number one goal for this club at this point in time. Of course, they would love to win the Premier League, but as long as Champions League is in front of them, that's goal one, and Premier League is goal two. So, And Arsenal aren't playing in Europe. So they're going to get more rest, even though they have less squad depth. They're going to get Gabriel Jesus back at some point, which is going to help them out. And City, I, I just feel like City are going to get so dug in in the Champions League, and I think one of the big kind of keys on whether or not City win the Premier League is going to be Assuming they get past Red Bull Leipzig, which they're obviously heavy favorites to do. Right. Who do they draw in the quarterfinals? Right. And if they draw, you know. Dortmund. 
Dortmund or they draw Benfica or I don't even know if Benfica is still in to be totally honest with you, or somebody like that, then I would like their chances because maybe right. you can go win leg one and rest some players and not have to play everybody. But if you see Man City draw uh, Bayern Munich, if, then if, if I, City draw Spurs, if City draw whoever wins the Liverpool Real Madrid. Yes, tie. exactly. No, I think that changes things a lot. And I'm, I'm going to say right now, I, at this point in time, especially after, and this is probably me being a little bit emotional after the, uh, after the the two points lost today for City. I think Arsenal are going to win the league. They, they've just been, and I didn't really think that midweek. There, which a, is weird. Their right? ability to respond over and over and over, and, and again, and City's inability to has yeah, gotten me. That's well, that's the most surprising it, thing. It's to me been this year. for me. It's been like different when City have gone down early outside of Spurs. They usually feel like they respond. It's that City go up one nil. Right, and then don't take their chances to make it two or three and right. kill off the game, and then they concede coming exactly back. Exactly what we saw today. Yeah. Whereas Arsenal, we've seen, and I've made this joke tons of times, but that's a club that gets pissed when they concede and they come back raring, and more times, like within the first five minutes, they've they've like wiped that away. Right. And, and I think you see that fire from Arteta on the sideline, something that I wish I had on my touchline, and uh, it, it it's just a ton of fun, and they're a really, really appealing, fun team to watch. So that's what's going to be so fascinating with the Tyler races. Like I said, I don't think it's actually going to come down to what happens between Arsenal and City. I think it's going to be everything else, and that should be a ton of fun. We are out of time, though. A wild, wild weekend already in the Premier League. We'll be back next Saturday to recap what happens between Newcastle and Liverpool, Spurs and West Ham. Hopefully we have another manager sacking that we can uh Breakdown as Chelsea continue to be hapless against a terrible, terrible Southampton team. And then we will have some European nights to recap and we'll have some second legs to preview. All of that will come at you next Saturday from 10 to 11 a.m. here I'll be on the live, franchise. I'll be live in Wichita, Kansas. Beautiful, beautiful. Right. We will be live. We will be in different spots. We are a nationwide show. You can take us anywhere. Share us with your friends. We've got the podcast. If you missed any of the show today, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, just search The Soccer Show. You can hit us, hit us up on Twitter at Soccer Show 1077. We've got merch there as well. We've got merch there as well. Check the pinned tweet. We've just got a couple of hats left. If you want one of those, hit us in the DMs. But until next time, we'll leave you with this. I hope your team went out there, got a big win today, or will win the rest of this weekend. And I hope that all of you look like Chelsea did today, which is laugh out loud funny. For Todd, for Matty Goldfish, Matt Goldbranson, I'm Ryan Chapman. Special thank you, as always, to Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic for their sponsorship of the show. We'll talk to you guys next week.